The following podcast is a work of fiction. All characters are the creation of Peter Williams. Any resemblance to someone living or dead is purely coincidental. Thank you. Taking the sword into his hand, Jonah meets its occupant, the lost Sam Edwards. But they are not alone at this meeting of spirits, and Sam uses this opportunity to have Jonah see something. Well, I should let the story tell you, shouldn't I? <laughs> but before we do that, I must remind you that this podcast can contain images of graphic violence, child endangerment, and of course that naughty, salty language we all love and adore. And as a result, this podcast may not be suitable for children under the age of 13. And before we start today's chapter, Mr. Williams wanted a word with you. Yes, thank you. Sorry about missing last week. I had a death in the family, and I didn't feel it was appropriate to publish the episode. And I wanted to take this moment to acknowledge Tony Giordano. Tony was a man with a smile and a warm greeting for everyone. He had enough love in his heart that no one who ever met him felt anything but love in return. Tonight, I want to honor you, sir. I will miss you terribly. Now... You may continue. Ah, yes. Heartbreaking, isn't it? This is why I always tell you to make sure that you let those you love know that you love them and all that other sappy stuff. Now, let us return to our story and chapter 18, Stolen. Out of instinct, Jonah raised his hand to defend against whatever had managed to manifest itself inside the cafe. But as he did so, he realized he was holding the sword, and it was on fire. What the? Immediately he could sense, no see the spirit in the sword standing before him. She looked roughly ten, and at the same time, not. Her red hair flowing up and over a beautiful pair of white wings and a radiant blue dress. She smiled at him as she spread her arms out and across the gulf of time and space. With that, Jonah could now see the thing that stood before her. Although it was still slightly out of phase with them, it was then he noticed that it was more of a projection of something, not the actual physical being. It was a too hard to behold, but the spirit simply snapped its fingers and it was frozen in place. He could see the spirit's eyes now glowing with an intensity as he watched the creature struggle. Then the spirit said in an almost thunderous tone, You tell your master, we'll be coming soon, but on our terms. As she spoke to the thing, he could hear the spirit whispering to him in his head, Jonah, close your eyes. I need you to see through mine instead, she instructed. Jonah did so. He closed his eyes and allowed their connection to tighten as she opened his mind to what she was seeing. Don't worry, she added. They can't see you, but you will need to remain calm. Otherwise, they may latch onto your spiritual energy. With that, he felt himself stepping out of time and into the flow of the universe itself. He could see moments, past, present, and... Don't get distracted, 
The spirit chided him. I need you to look into the now. The spirit guided his vision until he found himself looking through a floating orb and at the true physical body of the wretched creature. Was that ever human? He wondered. Each limb seemed elongated, its flesh seemingly translucent, yet it had a sheen to it as if it had scales. Using the orb like a looking glass, he began to look around. The room he was in seemed deeper, more true than before. Its colors, sounds, all came across like a loud static. The stove sat unused, covered in dust. The teapot discarded and off to the side. And all the flowers seemed to be wilting. Leaves and petals scattered all over the floor. As he continued the circle, his heart nearly leapt out of his chest. And again he heard the spirit chide him. Be careful. But he couldn't help it. He wanted to cry. What he was seeing was more like his nightmare than this moment he was walking in now. He was looking at Jess, or at least what remained of her skin. It was now fraying, thinning, the thing underneath becoming exposed as its own rot wore away at the once young and beautiful complexion of his friend. And what lies beneath was exactly like his dreams. A face like gnarled bone, its exposed teeth sharp and black, its body bulbous and misshapen, leading to long spider-like limbs and fingers. Taking a deep breath, he focused. Don't react, he reminded himself. Good, he heard the spirit encourage from beyond. Now, look past her and see what you need to see. It was a mirror, yet dark, no reflection, standing against a wall. It fluctuated like a pool of stagnant water, and suddenly... He could see into it. It was a cold, dark place. Only a slight ambient glow came from somewhere. And as his eyes adjusted to the glow, he spied a well of black water sitting a few feet from a table of varying tools. They were stained in blood. A little further, a plate of something had been shattered against an unseen wall, as the darkness seemed to have no end in any direction. He then followed a broken hose that seemed to have no purpose strewn from near the plate and split until it reached a curious claw-like attachment. A foul hot wind blew and he could hear wind chimes. No, not chimes. Something else, definitely metallic. He turned towards the direction of the sound. For the second time, he wanted to cry and immediately he heard the spirit. Keep calm hanging by chains. Bone thin, with a nasty gash in her side, was Maggie. It was clear she had been tortured. Her skin was covered in welts, bruises and scars. Blood stains trickled down her body to where dried pools remained on the floor beneath. He was just about to ask if she was dead when he heard whispering. It was faint, almost impossible to make out. He looked closer. Maggie's lips were moving. She was chanting something very softly. It was then he realized that the glow was coming from her and whatever she was doing was slowly building in energy. He wanted to pull her down, to take her with him and away from this dark place. At this, his 
thoughts turned to anger, and he felt his own spiritual presence begin to grow. With that, Maggie's eyes snapped open and looked directly at him, a deep purple glow emanating from within. He gasped, and the spirit quickly brought him back to her, and at that, forced Nicole back into her body. The tunnel collapsed around them, and Jonah was once more standing in the middle of the cafe, holding the sword. Your connection to that Maggie girl is strong, the spirit said. Jonah tried in vain to check his emotions, but he could feel a tremendous anger burning inside him. First, over the thing wearing Jess's rotting skin, and second, over Maggie, even though he barely knew the girl. Why? Why is that? Why is she so important to me? I, I barely know her. And she tried to kill me, Jonah lamented. The spirit of Sam pointed towards the coffee bar, indicating to Jonah to sit down. Jonah relaxed the blade, and as he did so, it and his arm extinguished. To his relief, the spirit of the girl remained like a figure of light. That's my fault, the spirit said. By pulling you out of this dream of all, your existence poured over itself, and your future connection with that girl seems to have strengthened the one you have with her now. He placed the sword gently on the coffee bar and looked at his bandaged arm in the spirit. This time, he did start crying. I want to help her. I, I know I'm not strong enough. I know I, I'm not smart enough, but I, I can't leave her to suffer like that. Even though she tried to kill you? Sam knew the answer, but needed Jonah to say it. It, it doesn't matter. I don't care. I don't know why, what her reasons were. I know that those things lie. They like to twist people and their lives for their own sick selves. Please. I say no more, Jonah, the spirit said, and gently caressed his face. To his surprise, it was warm and full of life and kindness. It invoked a memory, and he asked, I, I, I know you, don't I? Who, who are you? I am, I was, and I will be Sam Edwards, it said. But no, you haven't really met me yet. Um, I'm talking to you right now. Yes and no. I told you. I currently reside outside of time and inside that sword, but you'll be meeting me soon enough. I see. It's just... Jess, the girl that thing killed and took her skin? She told me to thank someone when I met her, and I didn't know who she meant. I think she meant you. Sam's face brightened. So, she did find peace. I'm glad. Then, I mean, Sam? Yes, Jonah. Thank you. I know I really don't know you yet, and I will say thank you again when I meet the real you, but thank you. Sam just smiled in response. Now, you want to save that girl, right? Sam said, almost as if she was jumping out of her skin if she had any. Yes, but I... Jonah, do you trust me? 
A bright smile erupted. It was clear she was up to something. He gave the spirit a curious look. Man, this is weird, Jonah said, scratching his head. Sam immediately rebuked him. I said, don't call me weird. Sheesh. Right, sorry, he replied, embarrassed. But he couldn't help it. He was talking to the spirit of a girl he never met that was living inside a sword that he's not supposed to touch or use. Do you trust me? She asked again. He nodded. Good. Pick me up. Huh? Ugh. You really can be dense. Pick up the sword. But I really should put it back. I was told not to touch or use it, Jonah protested. He could see Mr. Alistair lecturing him, or worse. Jonah, I am the sword. Well, partially. Just do as I say, Sam insisted. Okay. Boy, I hope Mr. White doesn't toss me out of the cafe for disobeying instructions. Jonah grumbled as he placed his hand on the sword's hilt once more. Who, Terrence? Sam giggled. He's the one who left the safe open. Wait, what? Jonah began to respond. Why would he? But the blade had already ignited, and a whirlwind of fire encircled Jonah as she cheekily remarked, So, I can steal you. That's why. The fire now completely surrounded him as Sam pulled Jonah back into the stream of all that has been and will be. Nicole skulked away from the encounter, rattled and disturbed by what she had seen and felt. This fox angel was an unexpected and an unwelcome change. How could Mother have blundered so badly? She had been certain that with the end of Jack Stevens that no one but the angels themselves would have the power to thwart her. And yet, if Mother was really so sure of things, why was it she still sought after gifted ones like herself? Yes, she understood that Mother liked twisting Aldone's children into something unrecognizable, but there had to be something more to it than that. Could it be these new creations? These demon eaters? Are they something even Mother feared? They could be perceived as a direct challenge to her and the Cadric Order, more so because Mother being directly of Ekmalak, it meant she could also be consumed by the Demoni Comandante. And then there was this Jonah. He was something even more. And for Mother, he was a walking disaster. To have eaten Silen, the child stealer, Cassandra's own mother, and at six years old, it was unheard of. Nicole wasn't really surprised how focused she was on him. And yet, to Nicole, Jonah represented something else. An opportunity. For she wasn't like mother. She may have Ekmalak's blood and flesh in her, but she also still had some of the creators left in her as well. It was what allowed her to regain her human form when necessary. She, unlike mother, didn't need skins to mask herself. Plus, she also had the power she was born with. They had not dissipated due to her transformation. They had only grown stronger. And this was something Mother was unaware of. She had made sure to keep that to herself. If only that fool of a sister had given in. Together, 
they could have torn down Mother's Order and ruled with their Lord Ekmalak instead. Nicole briefly entertained the idea of making an appeal to Maggie. But how? She considered her options, but Mother's eyes were constantly on that mirror, and that meant no direct contact. There's no way, she thought to herself. Maggie is truly done, she assured herself. So, that leaves Father. Yes, he will have to do it. Taking on her human form once more, she slipped into the alleyway behind the flower shop. Unlike Maggie, she welcomed the shadows and how they caressed her. They felt like her very own children, as she had been using and feeding off men and women until they were just that, shadows. They were so easy to give up on Aldoni and on his gift of life. Ironic, too. A human life lasts mere seconds in the stream of time. They cry and complain about such simplistic needs. As flesh and blood, what do they last 70, maybe 80 years until they die and go back to the Creator? And yet, they let someone like her strip them of all that so that they linger here until the end, suffering an existence of deeper wants that can never be fulfilled. Now, outside of Mother's vision, she pulled the crystal ball out of her pocket. She had shoved it in there after being tossed back by the fox angel. She tossed it into the air and it hung suspended in front of her. Slowly it began to pulse until finally she could see Father. He seemed to be enjoying himself as he slithered into some abandoned cemetery. He was preparing to feed. Father, she called, purposely interrupting his meal. He waved off the voice and continued to gnaw on someone's decaying leg. Father, she said with more intensity, making sure a slight surge of power accompanied her voice. He looked up, bits and pieces of leg caught in his teeth. Eat, let me be hungry. He opened his jaws again and lunged forward, but Nicole would not have it. Father? Nasty. Bad daughter. I always do as you ask. Why won't you let me eat? Because I need your skills, Nicole insisted. And wouldn't you like to get revenge on that fox angel? No. Hurt me badly it did. It could kill us, it could. He took another bite and Nicole became enraged and she struck out at him, lifting him up and off the ground and watching him twist like an insect trying to escape a spider web. Do I need to tear you apart again? Nicole threatened. Or leave you strewn about for the birds to peck at you? He slumped in defeat and she placed him back on the ground. Now, that's a good boy. She stroked him under his chin and lifted his face towards hers. This is what I need you to do. What neither Nicole or father could see was a pair of red, angry eyes watching from the shadows. Cassandra had expected treachery. It was in Nicole's makeup after all. In some ways, she couldn't be more proud of her creation. So, the sword, I mean Sam, steals Jonah. I bet you thought it was the other way around. Ha 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 ha! That Mr. Williams always seems to have something unexpected up his sleeve. 
And speaking of up their sleeve, Nicole and her father are plotting against the High Mother. I can't imagine she'll be too pleased with that. Oh, although you never know. <laughs> and still wasting away in the darkness is Maggie. Have you forgotten about her? I wonder. And exactly what is this sign that Mr. Alistair will get when he finishes his business in Rift? Or did Terence really just send him there as an errand boy? Hmm. So many different questions. So few answers. As these forces are pulled together and we head into chapter 19. Convergence.